Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head into the wilds of Zululand this week with Cy Enfield's 1964 epic Zulu. As always, I'm joined by Mike B. and Nate. Yep. That was what what happened to the flow for the last 25 episodes. (laughs) That's fine. I won't say my witty comeback. That's fine. We'll go to far. Oh, we can change. No, no, no. That's fine. Okay. Why do we fall, Master Wayne? There we go. So, guys, what'd you think? Well, it's funny. I've never seen this ever. I've always kind of wow. stayed away. How? I don't know. I should never watched it. There's this thing called AMC. I I know. It's like I think I just stayed I think I just stayed just a little bit. I like it always would come on and I just would not be there or I would like see like maybe like the first bit of it. And I never like knew what happened, so I never didn't want to watch it because I didn't know what was going on. It's also a theater I had known I knew nothing about ever. Even watching this, I was like, I'm just going to research it afterwards and just see what's going on. And I knew it was, um, I knew it was always like kind of like the 1960s movie of like, oh, this is like very, very, very favorited by classic war movie. And yeah, it, it fits right into that slot. It was really funny, though. It's very much um, 1960s uh, flailing the arms and. And, oh, and everyone yeah. and everyone stabs <laughs> behind the foreground and you know like woo! And so like there's that but it's not it's yeah. not awful you know it doesn't detract from it oh well, there's sometimes it detracts from it but it was still funny <laughs> to do but it was no it was, uh my little my little spiel about it. i mean like i uh was not ready um i always thought michael kane was kind of like one of like the main i thought michael kane was like the main guy main guy and he's not and so that was kind of the surprising thing for me. But um, no, it was very good. I liked it a lot. Plus, uh, Martini yep, Henry's are freaking awesome, and I want one now. And... Yeah, everybody did. Yeah. That's the problem. After they after this got popular, like I think it was like six or seven years ago, there was like a huge resurgence of this film in like the early twenties, mid twenties yeah. crowd, and everybody wanted that. That's why the prices kind of skyrocketed. They're about they're they started about selling a, thousand, a shitload about of them. Thousand and if last time I had checked, I think it was like five or six years ago. They were like only like five hundred. Now they're like a thousand. It's just like yeah, ugh. exactly. Yeah, they were they were five depending on what model. Obviously, there's a bunch of different models, but like um just on average, yeah, about five hundred. What, what's the difference between like the English one and the Napolese Napolese ones or the Gehendra? Um, it's just quality, a lot of quality. Okay, I figured. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't need to get into that because it's not relevant. But right, it's, yeah, no. But it's just when I was not, searching, I was like, why is there a difference in the yeah. two? So yeah, that's why I was curious. It's a long story. The Nepalese armory cash and everything. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's. But yeah, long story short, quality and um, yeah, Martini Henrys are. It was funny because, like, at the time they came out in, I think, 1872, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, they were just revolutionary. Like, they were at the top of the charts. And then in, like, three or four years, you get, like, the Mauser. Or, no, you had the Mauser 1871. 
and then you get the like the the um the Beaumont the Sti- and also the Styers, right? Like didn't they have didn't they work on the same principle? That was later, but that was that was later, oh, okay. but um so that's like no, so basically, where you're thinking that kind of stuff comes into play. Yeah. Yeah, the late, mid to late eighteen eighties, like the eighteen eighty five and all yeah. that stuff. But like um so the Martini Henry was like really at the top of its game for a I'll give it a lot of credit and say five years and then it was completely obsolete. Not obsolete, but very outclassed huh. by a lot of other firearm right, choices. Yeah. Um, but it was still like it could hold its own. Again, it, you know, it's about strategy. And they showed that they showed a lot of that in this film, which I really did like. Because I know like a, basically the, the very tip of the iceberg about this conflict. And the I don't know shit about the uniforms, but I know a little bit about the weaponry and um, kind of some of the tactics I knew a guy back in the day that was just obsessed with this time period. Right, yeah. He had an entire conflict you know, impression. Yeah. Was, yeah, he had he had an entire impression of, of this, which was really cool. But um, but no, so it was cool to watch that. And then yeah, like I've watched this a few years ago, but like rewatching it, it's it's a lot better than I remember. But yeah, it's a lot more sixties than I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the, I mean, the rubber bayonets, the the ah, like the absolutely the, blatantly the fake stabbing, the stabbing. The, 10, 15 feet in the back in front of the camera so that yes. it's a forced perspective shot. So you think they're closer where they really are. Yep. But it's like, yeah, but it's so fun. It, yeah. I mean, it's in this case, it was like so fun, but like, um, yeah, it was, it was overall really cool. And I mean, again, I don't know shit if the uniforms were correct. They look, I guess, close enough for me, but that's all I'm going to comment on. So I love this movie. I've seen it a ton mm-hmm. of times since I was a kid and it's very interesting. And the more that I get in the filmmaking, the more I like it. Um, it just has a lot going for it. And also, obviously, it's a product of its time and stuff, you know, and I think that's the only thing it really suffers for. But no, it's, it's a very right. interesting film. And for its time, the 60s, it's one of the only films that paints the enemy as an eagle. And especially yes. with, you know, all the racism and everything and the decolonization of the time, you know, right? because the, the British Empire was in the midst of splitting up in the late 50s, early 60s, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so conceptualizing it like that, they, they do a really good job and they show that the Zulu aren't just these crazy, like, you know, like in any Vietnam movie or anything, it's just like, ah, oh, they're crazy. Right. They're running at your lines or oh, whatever. It's like they have command and control. They have tactics like, you know, and it's, it was very nice and, and cool to see that uh, for a movie that's 58 years old. So, um, yeah. And looked, and looked it, really good. Like, yeah, like, shot yes. beautifully. Yeah. It's part of that epics. It reminded me of like Lawrence of Arabia yes. or Dr. Travago. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. The early sixties, like super, like I don't know if it's thirty-five or one thirty or one twenty, but like they use that super. Like, I think it's one twenty IMAX. Almost. Yeah, I think I think it's it is because yeah. it's so wide. Like the way, like we yeah, were, and it's, it's we, yeah, it's, we were watching it probably yeah. on the same source, correct? That seven twenty yes. one, yeah. Yes. It 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 was it felt very wide angled, very and very crisp, like mm-hmm. for very. the time, like and and I don't mean like. It, it, it's hard to say, like, when you think, like, 1960s movies, it's kind of like a toss-up. It's like you have really good film quality or you have, you ni- think of like, you have like, 1960s uh, quality. You think of the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, spaghetti yeah. westerns. Yeah. Like, it, you know, kind of, like, yeah, you're off-colored, you know, like, uh, Super 8. But but, but like there that. are some there are some spaghetti westerns that are very clear, very crisp. You know, Like Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, exactly. And so, like, yeah. I think it definitely, whatever, which I believe was filmed on 35... If I'm correct. Yeah, the the other ones are shot in 16 and blown to 30. Yeah, but, so I think that's that's but, what allows it to be. I think I don't know. We're getting to very specifics, but I mean, to hazard a guess without it's, researching it's, it, it's very crisp, very clear, very well filmed. 
for the time and for the process. And so like, it's very, it's also shot very well in terms of that. It's cinematography wise, because it is 1960 static shots, but you do a really good job of well, South Africa is also beautiful. Oh uh, yeah. Did they? Yeah. You know? That was, I think I knew. I think I knew this years ago. Did they actually film on location? I think they did, or in the area, because um, it, it did not look. It like was very. Backdrop, it like was painting. very beautiful. I was going to say like when they're putting when they do that pan shot, that very wide shot with mm-hmm. the bridge, with them setting up the bridge, and they're they're showcasing that blue sky with that gully and the cliffs, and like that's. I was the one thing I said. It was like I think I said it out loud. I was like, damn, that's beautiful. You know, yeah, you know, and that that real film, not not to dist on digital because they do amazing stuff, but really gets everything. You know, there's just something about that format. I'm uh, looking it up right now for. I'm looking South up right Africa. now where it was filmed. Yeah, it was. Yep, yep, it was um, shot on location in South it Africa. Says the Mission Depot it's... was recreated beneath the natural amphitheater. Yeah, mountains. The something mountains. So, um. Just to give a bit of background on the battle, uh, it's very interesting. So Rourke's Drift was a crossing point between basically South Africa and Zululand at the time. And, you know, South Africa was made of different provinces. But at the time, you know, the British colony of South Africa, it was the border of it, in the, uh, the eastern coast. And there was this river called the Buffalo River that ran through it. And it initially started out as this mission. Uh, sorry, it initially started out as a trading post by this guy named Rourke. So it was Rourke's Drift. You know, hey, you want to go trade shit? And then it ended up as a Swedish Catholic mission. And mm. uh, before the invasion of Zululand, it was taken over by the British as their staging grounds to go over the river into Zululand and, you know, uh, take out their army, kill the king and, you know, steal the gold, basically. That was it. You know, you could say a lot about the British Empire and stuff at this time. But in South Africa, literally it would come down to uh, you have really good minerals and you don't need them. <laughs> and we do and yeah. that's like literally if you look into the history of the Boer Wars and stuff that's what it came down to it was uh, well you know you're pesky and you have really good minerals that we don't think you need resources yeah, again you know kind of like what China's yeah. doing in Africa now but anyway it's a different story so well, um, every, everybody does it that's the issue <laughs> we do it we just we needed oil we thought we could get it cheaper like I said we needed, we needed <laughs> poppies so it's I mean it's just I mean I'm just saying it's a recurring theme throughout history it's not like oh I know it's not like specific to the British that's why I'm, I'm saying like I'm defending your stance yes like it is what it is that's it, it's what happened but anyway so they had this mission that they took over and uh, they stocked it and it was the invasion force was, wasn't too big it was only like four, 1500 troops you know and coming today we think about invasion forces of just like oh shit you know it's gonna be like you know thousands of guys and logistics but no it wasn't a lot and they left a company behind um, to support them at this uh, this Rourke's Drift, you know, this little crossing of the Buffalo River. And long story short, the British Army marches into Zululand and splits up. And what half of it goes to hunt for the Zulu king, and the other half stays at this place called Islawanda, this big famous rock formation. And the Zulu army f- creeps around and finds them, and like 10,000 Zulus attack 650 or 750 British soldiers. And I think 10 of them got away, um, completely crushed them in like four hours. And that was 10 miles away from Rourke's Drift. And they heard that the morning, they heard all the shooting in the distance. They're like, oh, that's strange. And in the afternoon, a rider showed up, like, you know, in the film. And they're like, oh, you know, the Zulu are coming. The Zulu are coming. Oh, my God. And the reserve force for the battle is Luanda, the 4,000 Zulus, didn't get to fight. And they wanted the glory. So they're like, well, there's a fucking trading mission like 10 miles away. Go kill those Brits. Okay. So they 
you know, with the distance. All the other Zulu that took part in the big battle of the Zalanda in the morning of the 22nd, they got their glory. They killed the Brits. They would give it a shit, you know, they can go home. But the other guys, they wanted to fight. So that's the, the setup for the whole battle. It was this reserve force that was like, okay, let's do this. And they got there and, you know, this is what happened. And in reality, the battle lasted 12 hours, started at like four o'clock in the afternoon and it ended uh, in the morning. And because they were the main supply base for the army that was going in, they had all the ammunition for the invasion, 20,000 rounds worth. After 12 hours, they had six rounds left per man per 200 man force. Jesus rounds Christ. <laughs> and in some of the accounts, they're saying guys were switching shoulders because it was getting so painful to shoot. And that, you know, fucking, yeah. in one case, I don't know if this is true or not, but one guy said he ripped parts of his tunic off and wrapped it around his rifle because it was getting so hot to hold. He was getting, he's burning his hands. So again, 250 guys, they shot at least 19,000 rounds <laughs> in 12 hours. I kind of see that not being total bullshit, you know, but that's kind of some cool facts for the battle. So now knowing that and then seeing what Hollywood tried to depict, it's, they didn't do too bad of a job. <laughs> like, you know, it's, you do really get the stress of it. You get the 1960s, like, oh, you know, craziness at times, but it's, uh, yeah, they, they did a pretty good job <laughs> Yeah, compared to the original thing. Yep. You know? Stab, cut. Uh. <laughs> what is that? Oh, man. Turn around. You got like an eight, eight foot spear in your back. Oh, damn. Didn't see that coming. You know, literally, literally didn't see it coming. The film cut, and it's right there. Oh, God. <laughs> I had a friend yep. go to South Africa, and he picked up some real Zulu stuff and spears and shields and things. Yeah. And, yeah. Pretty cool. It's, it, you know, the, you know, Hollywood-esque aside, I would say that um, I really liked seeing the tactics of the era and how it still was very much Napoleonic with with those new weaponry and that types, you know, because it's like, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same tactics, but with just a, a faster weapon in terms of volleys, like that whole, you know, doing doing lines of volleys and then moving up or the almost turtle shaped formation or square formation when they're backed up against the nine foot wall and they have the three ranks and the fortress and their their backs are covered, at least in that sense. Um, yeah, you're still using black powder at this point, too, thus like the British wearing mm -hmm. red. And like bright, brighter colors, like the Prussians are wearing bright blue and all that stuff because, you know, it's the amount of smoke that comes out, was, especially with that was the, the idea. What? Why? Because you could see shit, really. Yeah, I didn't know that. that. Makes total sense. Yeah, that, yeah. Wow. that makes huh. sense. But I never made that, that makes conclusion. Complete sense. That's cool. Huh? Yeah, and that's 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 why the brightly colored uniforms happened in the. That would explain. That would explain like the yellow and all century. that other way. Those weird colors yeah. that the the French <clears> used and all that kind of stuff. Yep. The, it's and, all recognition. Yeah, like, um, wow. Yep. So that's why the British were still because I mean, you think you think it's going to be freaking smoky with muzzle loaders? Oh no, it's three rounds a minute. Why don't you try thirty rounds a minute? Yeah, yeah right. With a well, yeah. a well trained soldier, and you've got you know one hundred and fifty of those going off in one line. There's no, there's no way, and that that was the idea. That's why they were still wearing red up until well, the Boer Wars. They, they well, that changed, would make that would make sense with that. the white with those white hats too, and how bright they are as well. Yeah. Right. And uh, those, the, the reason they're white, they were issued kind of like this. And just doing the, the quick math, they were shooting probably 1,600 rounds. They had to be shooting at least 1,600 rounds an hour for 12 hours straight to go through that much ammunition. Well, and not so all like, that was, you know, there was lulls in the fighting too. So exactly, it's like, yeah. Like, so you it's, can't it's see insane. shit. 
You fucking yeah. Well, and yeah, the guys like and, and sometimes they were just out of range. Martini just, fog. <laughs> God, and and can you imagine that? It's it's it, no, because I mean. Black powder smoke burns. Like when it comes it, back, and hits it in the burns face. your eyes. It burns everything. Oh my yeah. god! Does it burns your yeah. lungs? And it's like, I liked how a lot of the guys' eyes were really red, mm-hmm. like more red than if you're tired and you know, oh the shit he's seen. It's like they're really like really like watering. It's like yeah, your eyes would be fucked. Yeah. After even just an hour of that that kind of fire with a black powder, you know, a bunch of black powder rifles going mm-hmm. off. So yeah, they they portrayed that. They got a bunch of little details really cool. Oh yeah, like, uh, not just with the the gear and like the technical shit, but just like you know, just again taking the wide shots and taking the time to reconstruct the uh, mission as close as what people described it and what they they saw as possible. They took the time to do that. The set designers were really good, um, and then the roles that the guys played. So that's why I, I wish Sean could have made it because I have a question like um, like a color sergeant would that have been a first sergeant at that point? You know, I don't I, know. That. I believe I so, so. Yes. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like a first so, sergeant, yeah. sergeant major or something like that. Yeah. No, because the color sergeants yeah. are very the, the British. You know, I mean, of like all NCO classes of the Victorian era, they were very specialized, and you know they had the things quartermaster sergeants, color sergeants, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. This here's the fact versus fiction. The quartermaster sergeant, or sorry, the, the color sergeant in this film, he later became a, a quartermaster sergeant, uh, you know, is amazing. He's like your typical Victorian mutton chop, you know, tall soldier. And in reality, he was a badass as well. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But he was five foot three. <laughs> yeah. He was 23 or 24. No, he was 25. He was the youngest color mm-hmm. guard in the army. And his nickname from other, or the color sergeant, the other his nickname from other color sergeants was the kid how young he was so that was oh, his nice. nickname so he wasn't this super tall like he was this he still was the same the character you know yeah, but he was yeah. this like fucking little like you know let's you know, british bulldog basically <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that's the best way to put him <laughs> but um you know it's just oh, yeah. it's very interesting and i think that you know his impression was as tall or as big as his character in the film you know that he left on his men but so yeah, I kind yeah. of, it's, I, it's kind of funny. Thing. Like in, in my opinion, the fact that he's foot taller doesn't detract from it. No, not at all. He was he was there for the whole battle, and he's doing so much that like that's his legacy. He's just bigger man than he ever could be. And he was in the yeah, army for he, another he twenty lived years. Through it. 30, he, yeah, he lived through it. He got out in 07. Like, yeah, like fucking just just crazy. But you know, it's funny these, these little changes. And in reality, too, the commander of this, the, the lieutenant of this whole like garrison, the guy that gets wounded or whatever. And doesn't know if he can fight or not was like horribly deaf, like this oh, before the sure, army. Yeah, yeah he like, like before the battle, he couldn't hear shit. Yeah, so like fucking <laughs> all time, he's just like, you know, try to you know say shit. That's why Michael Caine's character is kind of important because he does you know kind of like save the day at times, just like in reality. But <laughs> it's just you know funny that these little things you find out. And so the kid and this guy's fucking deaf and. It's like it's very yeah. it's very uh, one thing I will say with the film that really stuck out to me was showcasing um the the battle tactics the chanting the shield bashing the 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 yeah. the get the like we're going to fuck you up you know like like you know chanting and everything and it's like you know you you see that in like you know um gladiator to an extent and that's impressive to an ex- to an extent of you know the germanic tribes and all that kind of things and you know there's something very alluding to showcasing 
you know, heritage and culture, especially of the tribe like armies, you know, that, you know, or clans or whatever. It's like it's it's very interesting to see that on film and to never really have seen um, any African kind of like, you know, tribes or clans or whatever really showcased in film before, at least me personally. It was very eye opening and very rewarding to see that. And I liked it a lot. Like I was like, man, yeah, they're like dancing and doing stuff. And it's just like when they start shield bashing, I'm just like, oh, shit. All right. Yeah, no, I'd shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like 100 yeah, yeah. percent. I love how because it's a war dance. You know, yeah. I mean? and again, if you're if your culture's not accustomed to that, like I love the singing scene. Yeah, because it's like you know, it shows they're both warriors, and there's still some great scenes too, where it's like an 18 year old Zulu kid, an 18 year old British kid, and they're like, they have you know, bayonet and a spear to each other, and they like mm-hmm. don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's like you're in the. I love that juxtaposition of cultures, because you know, yep. you're two from two totally completely different worlds. Can't comprehend. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you are now human, and you're in the same instant, the same moment. Like, what are you going to do? You know, all of your experiences have led up to this clash, and that was really well documented multiple times. Um, but I love too how like you know how hesitant the soldiers are and they're like sporadically shooting and stuff like stop shooting and like when the Zulu come really close and then they all throw their spears in the ground and dance you know it is just very interesting yeah the sacrificing um, of their of like the, the those guys counting your guns yeah yeah like that's you know, like, that's very that was very interesting and like you know the fact that they're just standing there going like you know just bashing the shield and just taking hits it's like oh shit like damn there's, there's got to be. Yeah, there's got to be a reason yeah. for it. Yeah, it's just... These guys aren't just psychic. And at one point, they're like, oh, he's keeping one flank down while attacking another. It's like, you know, it's it's just really interesting to show these tactics. Like, the, the movie Napoleon. No, not... What is it? Waterloo. Comes out in the 60s. I don't know. I think it came a little later than this. And you see tactics in that because they have to show tactics. Yeah. Because it's fucking Waterloo. Yeah. You know, it's like you have cavalry, this, that, and the other thing. But that's European armies fighting each other. So it's so cool to see like right. an African warlord like fucking showing Brits that, how to fight. That that had you know? and that he had that to really learn awesome. through experience. Yeah, you know? it's like you always hear about like you know the colonial wars in Africa and how bad it was. And like from for me, this is like the quintessential African colonial war movie. Like this is you know right a, a European colonial army fighting natives, mm-hmm. and the natives aren't savages; they're smart. They know the train. They know how to fight. They know what they're doing. They also have modern weaponry. <laughs> right, know, like, yes, yes, dude, stealing, stealing, dies yeah, spears. yeah, stealing, so, stealing Henry rifles off of guys. Well, no, they, in, didn't start, they didn't start with modern rep- weaponry. No. Well, it's interesting. So I watched the thing on the battle. They said that, yes, some Zulus had guns, but the one, this was the reserve force that didn't show up at Islawanda. So the guns that they did bring to this battle were ones that they had brought and bought previously before the Zulu wars. Okay. Hmm. So it would have been older European yeah. models or whatever, but it probably like, wasn't like, the most modern Like Napoleonic weaponry. musket loaders and things like that. Yeah. Not that. Probably early, early, you know, cartridge firearms. Like Vern, Verndals and stuff like yeah, that. Like, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, shit like that. Late 1860s, early 1870s, you know, yep. that kind of stuff. So it's interesting because, again, they, they didn't go to that battle. Some of them could have had whatever. But it yeah, was just kind of an interesting sure. tidbit. So that's also why um, they couldn't have good, as the time was saying, musketry, you know, not good rifle fire. Oh, and the yeah, interesting no way. thing, too, is that so the sergeant, the color sergeant, he lived, he was the oldest uh, surviving uh, member of the battle or, or survivor of the battle. He lived till May 9th, 1945. Fucking Jesus. Yeah. And this is insane. In 1937, he gave a interview on BBC uh you know, talking about the battle. 
on BBC Radio. Can you find that? And it was broadcast. Let me finish. Okay. It was broadcast out to the whole nation. And it was him live talking about the battle. And someone decided that this is, they, they're known for doing this. A lot of stuff was, unfortunately, this has happened to. They thought that it wouldn't, you know, be worth saving. So they threw out the print or they recorded on top of it. The BBC has been known to do that for years. Like every single of their 1960s sitcoms is lost because they wanted to save like 2,000 pounds in the late 70s and they just re-recorded over all of it. There's tons of issue. It was lost. But the BBC had a magazine for people that couldn't hear for like deaf people called The Listener. And the whole recording is transcribed in it. Okay. So the whole battle is in so it. So at least it's written At some point. Least, yeah. So he mentions at one point in the interview, he was like, the two th- interesting things that you could take away from it was one, he was like, I don't know why they just started slitting the bags because they were just bags full of beans. So he's like, if they just started slitting the bags, you know, we wouldn't have any defenses. And they could have literally walked in. Like, so that was one cool thing he mentioned. The other thing he said was that if they had a little bit better marksmanship, then there would have been a shit ton more casualties. Oh, because, God, yeah. Which makes sense. They had all their weaponry. So they're not good at it anyway. It's a little acquiescent, you know, things like that. It just, it's it's interesting to see where it came from. They kind of hinted but, on uh, that in the film with the guys who were on the cliff. Like, they were struggling with their sights and they were squinting really weird and like... Yeah. yeah. You know, like that it, kind of thing. He also said that, um, you know, he has the utmost respect for the Zulu warrior. Like, you know, uh, yeah. oh my God, they're real men and they know how to fight. And holy shit, dude. And so the, the only thing that was really lost, thank God they have, the, you know, they have the transcription is what he sounded like. Hmm. Yeah. So, but luckily we have this, you know, transcription of the battle. From, right. You know, for the, for the 57th anniversary of the battle, they wanted to have something on, you know, for the BBC. God. So. Did you say May 9th, 1945? He died May 9th, 1945. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting timing. Right. One day after the end of the Second World War. And he, he got out of the army in 07. And then he tried to yeah. join again in 14. They wouldn't let him. And then they let him in as a lieutenant colonel. And they sent him to the School of Musketry. Where he, they say, in, it was in... Uh, Belfast something, but they, he trained 10,000 marksmen in four years for the Western Front. Oh, nice. my God. Yeah, so he's just a yeah. badass. He was in the Army like 35 years and shit. And wow. He was a, just a badass. And the funny thing is, like, he goes to um, India after he's in Africa, and then he's there for, like, 20 years, you know, and he's in the, uh, like, the early attacks in Burma and stuff, and he, he ends up in some Robert Kipling poem, like, about some naval fleet that goes up a river to attack Burma. Like, it's, like, fucking insane. You know, I... Victorian Britain is fascinating for multiple reasons like this, you know, like just the crazy shit that happened in the explorerism and adventurism. But um, just bring it back. No, this is the quintessential like colonial wars movie. There's, you know, there's really not too many more of them. There's one Boer War movie. I mean, there's a few smaller modern productions, but like nothing like this. That's like, okay, fucking it's a company of Brits versus 4,000 Zulus. And who's going to win? Right. You know, like if they didn't have all that ammunition there, it would have been over by sunset. Oh, it was, you know, to speak, speak, so. speaking on that, that was really, really cool in the prop department of seeing how that ammo was packaged. Yep. That was exactly really was cool. Packaged. In Isla Wanda, yep. that becomes a big thing too. That's one of the reasons they lost because they couldn't get the ammunition open fast enough. Mm. But before mm. I forget it, I'll say this too. The other thing that, that he said in the interview was that at the end of the battle, the morning of the 23rd, when the sun came up, and the, the, the Zulu basically went far enough away out of range and they threw their uh, shields down and they just like, you know, 
hung out and they rested and had water and shit. And then they left. So they were like expecting this last attack. They had six rounds per soldier. And they basically, if the Zulu attack, they would have overrun. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Tarawa. It's like the Japanese just do the counterattack. They could have probably could have pushed the Marines into the sea. But anyway, they leave. And he says that the battlefield was full of millibeans and 20,000 rounds of 455 cartridges. <laughs> and just yeah. to think about that, like mixed, and also all the bodies. There. Right. Yeah, counted yeah. At least 500 Zulu. 17 Brits were killed. That was it. And yeah. like just, but just uh, that visual like image of just like millions probably of beans everywhere along this you know probably oh, small yeah. site and just thousands of glistening rounds of ammunition of expent cases of ammunition, you know, it's like that's just a fucking sight. And obviously they couldn't do that for the film, but like holy shit, been like you the know? opening scene of Lord of War. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like it's fucking insane. Gotta, you know. Well, the interesting thing at that point, they would have probably been using the brass foil cartridges. So yeah, they were hand hammered. On it, yeah. Oh yeah, they, yep. yeah. No, it was foil. It was like soft, and they yeah. would have um, they would have just been able to step on it and kind of create a a layer of brass on the on the on the ground. You know, like an actual layer of brass because it was it's just insane. One? And they were a uh, little fun little fun fact yeah. about the cartridges. Mm-hmm. Do you know who made them? No, who? War orphans. Really? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, they 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 would. They would um, paper patch the bullets and they would load the cartridges in like an orphanage and they would load them and send them off. Damn, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of dark, isn't it? A little bit, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're saying they're stopping down. Well, there's a story from one guy. He was in the hospital, and the hospital was one of the buildings that got overrun, and yeah. they started the roof on fire. Crazy shit. Guys were like, they, when they're going through the walls and everything, right? Yeah, you know, like yep. like all that. And one guy uh, got ripped through the wall, like into the Zulu, and got fucking killed. Um, but anyway, one guy was like, fuck this. And he he hid in a a banister and the Zulu ran through the room towards, you know, the other Brits. And he was like, cool. And he was in the burning hospital. Like what is he? So he hung out there for a bit. And long story short, he ended up like in the courtyard among the dead bodies. And he just laid there for hours. And when they finally found him after the battle, his back was blue from all the Zulu that were running over him to get to the Brits. Oh, damn. Like, think of how many hundreds of people fucking stepped on his back. Oh, You know? So it was all bruised. Isn't that insane? God. And then then if you made one noise, you know, like... It's just crazy, though, you know, this battle. It was how, like, nobody really died in the... I mean, 17 men is a a lot. Don't get me wrong. Every life is one, but... Like you know, if you look at the numbers, it's just crazy. Seventeen and five hundred—it's a little bit of a little bit of a skewed ratio. Yeah, right. Yeah. And <laughs> how they many? How many? Side. There's definitely did they more. They calculate that isn't well. We'll probably never know because I'm sure numbers are inflated. How many did after they... the battle? So they found at least four hundred fifty corpses, and they think there could be plus or minus, or plus a hundred more. Okay. And then the thing that they don't know is that a lot of these Zulus, like they got wounded and they went off to die on their own. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they were saying they were finding bodies around camp for months okay. afterwards. Guys getting gut shot and, and, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Wandering off. Or know. just getting an infection. Like, you hey, know, you know what? Like leg yeah. shot. It's like kind of like uh, Breaking Bad with Mike er- Ermitrout. You know, it's fucking. Like oh, yeah. I'm not going to die with idiots. I'm going to die alone. I'm going to fuck it. Yeah. You know, so if I got shot, if I'm mortally wounded, I'm going to go find a nice tree. <laughs> like fucking, you know, way it goes. Um, but, and also after the battle, the Brits that, so the army that like went out to find the King came back to Iswawanda and was like, oh, fuck. They found 650 dead Brits. And then they came back to Rourke's Drift and after the battle 
and they were so happy to like, you know, see, oh my God, they survived. And the survivors, it was kind of like the end of We Were Soldiers. They were just like so exhausted, they didn't care. <laughs> they were just like, you know, I'm somehow still breathing. And um, the next ensuing days, like they brought a bunch of reinforcements in and they killed any Zulu in the area, men, women, children. And, you know, it was really bad. And shit, the other thing I want to say about the battle too, before I forget is, so the reason that they really left was because the king of Zululand, I can't remember his name right now, um, had told them, do not cross the river. Do not cross the Buffalo River. Even though we just destroyed the Brits, do not go, like, respect the border. If you fuck with the border, they're going to fuck with us. So that's one of the reasons that they only did it for 12 hours. Because literally the mission's like 100, 200 yards from the river. So they were there for 12 hours and they didn't want to push their luck. Oh, because so like, it would, fucking, be, it would be fucking with the neighbors. Because they're already so. going against it. And there's another thing too that apparently some of these, and I, this, you know, I don't know, this might be a colonialism because you never know what these things, but apparently some of the Zulu warriors, they would get really fucking fucked up on drugs or get high and whatever. German meth. Vikings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and they would go. Perbiton. And then yeah. they would go and fight. And that that's why they were so hyped up after Lizawada and they wanted to go fight Brits. So they went and found these other Brits to go fight. And that after the ensuing 12 hours of battle, they were having this huge come down in the morning. So stacking all these things up together, it kind of paints this interesting picture of this like inexhausted mm-hmm. reserve force that bit off more than they could chew. And, you know, you, you found the guys with the most ammo. Good job. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what yeah. I really, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Like guys that, you know, they were up against the wall with 20,000 rounds of ammunition in 1879. Yeah. I mean. And they used it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it just goes to show. And it's funny because, this is around the time where, you know, at least the French were finding out like a box magazine or a magazine is good for, for colonialism because you want to have that switch to go up. Oh, here come the natives and throw eight rounds down range, <laughs> like with the early gras and everything. Yep. Right. So, the, you know, yeah, exactly. and this is just on the cusp of that where it's like, you know, you have the most modern or the most modernish technology of, you know, single shot, you know, rifles like this. But when you have enemy in mass, it's kind of similar to how the Germans realized in the Eastern Front, like, huh. If you have this cool intermediary cartridge, it's going to do the same amount of damage, at better ranges, and you can shoot quicker. Mm-hmm. It's like we found the formula at first. It's like really in Africa is where they found out the formula for this whole, you know, box magazine or, or a magazine for a military firearm. But right. My tangent's over. No, good tangent. Good ship. I didn't know. I didn't know half of that. Yeah, same. Uh, well, now you've been learning. Now I know. The more you know. I will say, um, I will say, if people want to know, just a quick shout out to uh, to Henry here. If anyone wants to see the uh, Martini Henry in action, you can go watch Henry yep. shoot a Henry on nine hole, and uh, it he does yep. a really good breakdown of that, and uh, it's really really interesting to go through the technological advancement of that rifle, even if it was short lived. Now that I know that from you, Brian, it's like. It's it's really is like a step beyond shoving a fucking lead ball down a fucking pipe and ramming it home. Like this, yep. it's just so much better to go clink, pump, think, boom, boom. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> one more time, think, 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 boom. ASMR. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> one thing they they didn't do in the film, and I, I maybe I mean I'm not disappointed at all because again the film was really good, but. Um, they used to, I think we've talked about this before. Cause like, have you ever held the 577, 450, either one of you? No. They're fucking huge. Yeah. Like, it's a comparable to a 50 cal. Yeah. But I mean like the actual, I fucking have, 
Anyway, it's a it's a giant cartridge, but they would um they would knuckle um three rounds in here and they would use their trigger finger and they would just go like that quick. Oh, so like almost like you're you're putting in between your soda so, kind of like so to paint a picture. The way they here. would hold the Lee Enfield yeah. handle, you know, really quickly. So they'd have three rounds where they go. Right, but like exactly. So they would have they would have rounds in between their fingers. Their, huh. One, two, three, two or three. And they would just be able to go lever down, shove it in, up, down. It ejected, or, right? Sorry, when you fire. would put the lever down, it would oh, yeah, eject, yep. right? It's got an okay, ejector yeah. on it. Yep. So you didn't have to it's finger you have to figure the casing out. You no, 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 no. Just, you yeah. when you slam the when you slam the lever down, that thing pops. So it's, out. it's pretty it's much gone. like the grandpappy of the Henry rifle at that point. Uh, not, I mean, no. I mean, I, I say that very, very, <laughs> very stupidly saying it, but I mean, if you, the Henry rifle came out in the 1860s. When did this, ca- okay. All right. Hold on. 1871. <laughs> oh, six shit. years 72. later. Okay. In a different context. Yeah, okay. Or okay. No, but what's like interesting that. though, Nathan, is that the lever action is born in America. It's not born in Europe. Yeah. Right. Cause again, it kind of goes in your whole stance of, European style of Napoleonic warfare. Right. It's, so I it's guess I'm not. I analogy. guess I'm not too far it, off. But yeah, it's ignore what analogy, I just said, but, but don't ignore it. <laughs> it's, no, it's good. It's good. When America went into World War One, we basically were an army that was ready to fight in a colonial force. Like you know, the biggest war we had experienced since the Civil War, you know, fifty-five years earlier, was um, or fifty years earlier was uh, the Spanish War really right, wasn't yeah. that big of a conflict you know as far as like of, of continuation so if you think about europe and everything the last real big war they fought was the napoleonic wars was waterloo this is 50 years after that from you know? war one so what about well, what about no no, no 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 i'm saying that the the british army at this point oh sorry as far as sorry, the weaponry sorry, I was similar that. to the american army when they went to world war yeah. one okay because of their mindset because it'd been 50 years since a really big conflict right so you know you're just going to have the the tactics that work, but the technology gets better, but the tactics don't change because you haven't had experiences big enough to warrant them being changed. Right. You know, it's like even 1917 and 18, when the American officers and stuff in the AF was going to Europe and the British and the French were telling them what works and what doesn't, a lot of the arrogant ones were saying, and they've used these tactics to sit in trenches for four years. And they tried to do open wave assaults like they did in 14. And they really didn't work out that way. Right. To a very small extent, right. but still, you know, it's just that naivety. So like, if you don't have a big conflict, you know, the tactics, stagnate while the technology improves and it just takes you know that next big one to be like fuck and that was really the the african colonialism it's like wow single action rifles don't work yeah what do you have in america though you have this huge fucking war going on you know and then lever actions are born that push that that really pushed the technology forward yeah the Franco-Prussian Wars is what really start to push that, that along. That's what I was itself. about to ask was, wasn't there a Franco-Prussian War that I'm missing somewhere in here? Somewhere? Yep. Two, so, a few yeah. of them, yeah. But like that's also another big driver of technology in Europe, you know, the rifle and everything and you know why the French the one really that, wanted to get a, a, the best military rifle in the world, which is the Lebel eventually. But right, yeah. you'll, you'll see a lot, of, uh, a lot of innovation really ramp up after 1871 when that so, ended so and the, the bad war. So speaking into that, I didn't realize it was funny. I watched this this morning, and then I watched. Um, I I I I'm on a Webley kick, and I'm trying to research the Webley. And I didn't, and I didn't realize <laughs> that the Webley was this far back. At that point, like yeah. it's early, not. It's not. The Mark Six is not that far back. They were using mm-hmm. Mark Sixes. In what? In yes, this? They were, in this, they were using Mark. Okay, sixes. and that's not correct. 
Okay, no. that's what I thought. Because I was like, I think maybe the Mark Ones would maybe be. Let me go. The B maybe possibly there in there, the 1870, there was, 1870 There something? was a very early version. We'll get into IM. Yeah, we can. We'll, we'll jump in that in a in a sec. Because there's a really. I don't know if you guys saw it, but they don't all have uh, Martini Henrys. So we'll get into that in a minute. Well, no, it, it switches every other scene, and yeah, we'll, it's we'll it, yeah, like, it's, it's interesting. Uh, so no, Nate, I just looked it up. We, we won't get into it right now, but no, Webley's not correct. For okay, this I thought period. so. They did have a top break of, revolver. Of any, it, they did have a top break revolver, but it wasn't. I saw Webley's in this. Yeah. Right. Or war, they had Webleys and stuff. We'll get into it um, in a little bit. But no, it's it's a really. But solid I really movie. fucking want a Webley, and so it's like killing me right now. It's a very solid movie, you know, and it really stands up. Okay, I- I've got the answer to it, uh, but we can talk about it later Sweet. if you want. No, it's it's funny. It's hard to nitpick and talk a lot in general because it's just so good. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I definitely definitely thought it was really cool. Um, it was, I mean, the acting was superb. There wasn't like, besides the, whatever, the typical 60s of like dying effects, but like the acting itself on both sides was actually really good. I, you know? I, like, I actually, I actually didn't, the only, the only acting that I just didn't understand that's just 1960s script writing is I didn't understand the whole confrontation between the guy and the guys in the hospital and that character. That was the only thing that kind of made me go like, "What is going on here?" But it what, makes me think I maybe fit something. What guys? The, the Hopper or Hooker or whatever. Oh, yeah. Hook! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hook. his whole confrontation with the sergeant—that's crazy. Which? Why is he crazy? Yeah. They did they ever explain that? Yeah, he, he's sick. Like he's got like a fever. Okay. Was that what it was? He's like has like yeah. Him and the other guy had, like have a fever. malaria or dysentery or something. It, yeah. yeah, yellow. F- they were like something. There was a company of. Of uh, you know the Lightfoot guys that was there defending the hospital and the grounds, and then there was about 150 to 200 hospital patients at the hospital. There was there, so Jesus. you know they, a lot of them had nothing to do with the regiment that was defending it. That 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 priest character was so, annoying as fuck. That's the only thing I I got annoyed with. So in the real battle, there's a there's a really famous priest who's known as Ammunition Jones. <laughs> and he was going around. Oh, sorry. His ammunition priest as well, because during the battle, he went around and he was saying, quote for quote, don't swear, men, but keep on shooting. <laughs> pulling around this creative ammunition, tearing it out. So I see. I would rather have I'd rather have the priest do that than just being like a drunk and skate screaming. You're going to die. You're going right? to die. You're drunk Irishman the whole time. Yeah. Whoa. Stereotype. <laughs> Let my people go. <laughs> No, it um, Jesus. no, it, it it overall like this movie. I mean, I was really happy. <clears throat> I love it. how it begins too, from the Zulu perspective. You know, like it, it's just really yeah, cool dude, and, on... tits and everything. <laughs> I think they filmed it in Zululand, but like it's just uh, again, it's just you know, it, it's for a movie about a colonial battle. It really does a lot to you know talk about the other side. Yeah. Um. Yeah, sorry, for a movie about a British victory, it does a lot to talk about the enemy. You know, through a, a British production as well. It pays a lot of respects from if, with it being a time like the 1960s where that was not really the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, you know, and it's cool to see a very early Michael Caine. This is the role that really made it. It said introducing. You know? Isn't that normally made for like your first like major like... I believe so, yeah. I, I, I don't want to, you know, say something. IMDB. Not he the was, IMDB. Uh, Okay. He was a Korean War veteran. He'd been in the military and everything. And it's funny. He, oh, he, was he? Yeah. Yeah. He was in Korea in like 52, I think. 
carried a stent and talked about how much he hated it. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting, you know, to have him. He's actually been in. He was in a Korean War documentary a few years ago, talk, like you talking about how they forgotten him and everything. It's he's a very interesting character when it comes to military stuff, because you know he had so many military roles throughout his career. But um, God, I don't know what my favorite role for him is. I think uh, Eagles Landed is probably one of the best. Ones. I still haven't seen that. I just went down a rabbit hole and I got the answer I was looking for. So you guys were kind of right, but we'll get into that. So. It's a cool thing. Well, is, it, is this the Webley well, thing? Y- oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a weird pistol, but not a top break. We'll just put it that okay. way. Oh, interesting. Well, do we want to jump on nope. the guns right now? Yeah, why don't we? Sure. Okay. Everybody knows where to go. IMFT. There's actually an IMFTB this week, which is nice. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had uh, 60 years to do it. We can't seem to do it yet. So. <laughs> yeah, right. There's going to be one that we find that is like 60 years old and there's, and there's nothing, nothing on. Well, um, it, uh, yeah. Or close to that. We found a few. Well, didn't we just... Wasn't it many wars ago? I'm not sure at this point. It was one of I'm pretty sure many wars ago didn't have it. Oh, yeah. That's right. It was yeah. one of them. That I was like the 70s yeah. at least. Um, right. But it's also a pretty obscure film. But, I mean, there's, a, there's more obscure films that have complete yeah. images, so... I, 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 it's a strange website. It's like hit or miss. Yeah. Oh. Um, here, I'm, it's I'm still uh, fun. Doing stuff. Oh, I love it. Um, oh, yeah, I know. It's a like Urban Dictionary for guns and movies. There's also a lot of really good posters for this one, like that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think that's, that's cool. going to be the one that I. There's another one where a guy's bayonetting a dude. There's some great art for this. And what was funny, though, is like yeah. if you look at the letters and stuff, it's all. It's like, again, it's, it's like 50 50. This whole movie is like they really try to show both sides. Yeah. Which is just, you know, it does it better. I am FDB Zulu. You can follow along with us on this. Uh, first one is they mark it as a, uh, a Mark Six, a 455. And is that hard to find? Yep. Is that, that hard to find in, place mark, of in, in a... four five or Yeah, 455. Is that hard to find? No, it's okay. not. No, nope. Not at all. Um, and you can still, well, you could. In original 455, it. it is, but original 45 or, or shave down 45, you can find them pretty easily. Oh, okay. You're still well, 45, you can find them. Yeah, but it's yeah, kind of rare, though. Uh, you always find them. Not shave really. Ones. I Well, I found a few. I yeah. found a few this week. It's like 50. Like my experience is 50 50. Yeah. Okay. It's like 50 50 for in the US. Like, but. I'd rather have a 455 one, but I've got a shaved cylinder, which is fine. Which what allows you to do 45? ACP, we have ACP but you have books. to you have to download oh. it. you have to download it too. Otherwise, why? It, it can over time it'll break the frame. Forty five ACP is basically oh, really? a proof load for a four fifty five uh, Webley. Huh? Like the way forty five ACP is loaded is like a proof load. Uh. So if you keep, I, I mean, I've shot I've shot regular forty five ACP through mine, but like you're supposed to download it to increase the length of the life. I thought you were just making a joke about the half moon cliff. That's that's interesting. I didn't know that. No, no, you're you're definitely because there's people that have actually broken the frames. What was the top break? Mark sixes. You know, I mean, it doesn't. It's it's not the strongest revolver in the world. No, but like, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's not meant for that yeah. much pressure. And um, but yeah, if you if you load them, you know, if you hand load, which I do, it's pretty easy to and you use lead projectiles. That sure helps. So, what's the name of the, the correct pressure. one? Then you were saying you went down this rabbit hole. Oh, it's um. So it's up here. They have they have a different one, but. So apparently, um, 
um, lieutenant at the, at the time, uh, Chard's pistol, like, is in a museum. Oh, that's cool. And he, as an engineer, he was carrying a Webley Royal Irish Constabulary, Bull, Constabulary, God, I cannot say Carbine? that word. Um, pistol. Huh. And it, um, it looks a lot different. Let me see if I can just. I couldn't even try to spell it. Uh, God, that's a blurry picture. I didn't even, I wouldn't, I'm not even going to try to spell it, so I won't even bother looking on my end. Here, let me, uh, really quickly, let me just show yeah. you guys this. Um, because it's actually pretty cool. Uh, Microsoft Edge Tim. That's cool. It ended up in a museum. Yeah. Oh. I know it's a, it's a really big. Wow. It's a boomer picture. I have, yeah, it's a lot I've different. I've seen like a couple of these on auction while trying to get the web leads, these kind of versions of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, wow. Nathan, yeah. do you want to go hold down a supply facility? Dude, I'll do it with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, so, yeah, so that's totally a totally different look. Yeah. I mean, and that's not and, th and, then and apparently, that's not top. That's, go that's up for not a second, top if you would, back revolver, to revolver, is it? No, yeah. no, it's not. It's a it's just a side loader. But um, so and then the Adams Mark III, which I was looking at earlier, Adams Mark III revolver, which are, I've also seen at auctions. Was apparently what um, what um, Bromhead was carrying. Yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah, it's an Adams Mark II or Adams Mark III model eighteen seventy two, which looks like. I'll do it one more time. I'll just share mine. Um, Goodbye, Nate. Um, present represent share screen. So, <laughs> it's like the same thing, but a little different. It's, it's like kind of like, yeah, it's, it's got like a it's weird um, out. dude. It looks like it's, it's like got a weird action rod. It's like a steampunk pistol. Exactly. So I kind of yeah, like they're very similar. I love that grip. At the end, yeah, it's it it's really really slender. Yeah. So anyway, that's huh. what we've got for that. I think, no dipshit. Both of them look um, nothing like a Webley. Or a, right, so, but they said in the, in the paragraph like there's like very few surviving. Oh, examples. I bet. Yeah. Well, at the at the time, they probably couldn't find them. You know what I mean? Like they and what's cheap and what can get destroyed and how many thousands do they have? Oh, yeah. exactly. And that's like Webleys are at the time they were like just being phased out, so they're probably like twenty bucks a piece modern day oh, yeah. money. So you used to be able to get the tanker Webleys in the states easily at like every magazine in the sixties. The spur, hands. yeah, the thirty-eight Smith and Wesson ones. Yeah. I tried to get the Mark V, yeah. and someone was going up to like eight hundred dollars. I was like, no. Oh yeah, yeah. I need one yeah. still. They'll I have an Enfield. You're gonna yeah, have to pay to win for those ones now. Every no, I, I know. It. That sucks. I wanted a Red Nine yeah. and a four five five, but Red Nine's like post war basically now, so I just want a four five five. Anyway, I want a Martin Henry with a bayonet. That's what I want after this. Sean, a buddy of mine, Sean, everyone knows Sean. He had a um, a Afghan ringback Martini Henry that was bedazzled, like with all the for my good shit in the stock, and it was eighteen seventy one dated. <laughs> really, or it was very early production. Yeah, he uh, um, uh, when we were on when he was literally on, could have been in Africa and then went to went to find, you know <laughs> Afghanistan and well, came back. A lot of those markings, a lot of those markings got fudged up on uh, the we call them Kyber Pass guns because they wanted very to make true. it more appealing to to GIs. This was a real and, one um, though. I know what you mean. Not like no, a broad they're, arrow they're, made in England. <laughs> no, 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 no. Some of those markings were really good. Like they would, they would make them really early dates like that, and then they would because they knew that a lot of the military guys were collectors. Like I know a lot of guys who are collectors who went over there and they're like, "Yeah, these stamps are really good," but I looked at them really close and they're new. Like you have to it's look crazy. at them really close because they'll acid wash it and they'll make What's, it look really old. 
what's the uh so what's the valley is it kyber pass yeah the kyber pass where they make all those guns yeah the, i yeah, mean yeah I they, so. they make them there they make them everywhere the i know it's uh, uh, yeah um um it's it's a kyber pass fuck. they call them kyber pass guns but yeah they're, one they're made all over is. afghanistan yeah. and like they, they they started just making them for because they knew that you know guys they could get them for basically pennies and then GIs cool. would pay five hundred bucks for one. I knew yeah I knew that like they figured out that there was a certain date it had to be you know so they could bring it home. That's what Henry did. Well, it's just pre eighteen ninety. It's pre eighteen ninety eight or ninety eight ninety nine. But but they also figured out that there's a lot of collectors, so they're gonna put you know maybe his is real, maybe it's not, but like they're gonna put like the earliest the most collectible date on there, like a LaBelle, mm-hmm. They would probably put like. 1893 or something like that on there yeah. or 1886 and 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 do all that stuff and they're really good at it and they figure out how to make a lot of money off of that so. well that i mean uh henry but. is he brought his back from afghanistan that's this whole yep. thing on his video with that and um yep. it's cool he, i will i will say um um i think it was the beast that sean had told me about i think we had mentioned the same martin henry as well but uh he had told me that they chop them up into pistols. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't believe him. Oh, I'm like, there's no way. And literally, I think it was through two weeks ago. I, I did, I did a, I did a mat click. Uh, he also sent you the photo of it. Too, well, no, so. no, no, I know, but Mike, 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 you will know what I mean by a mat click. I did a mat click, but someone outbid me. Um, and it was a Martini Henry pistol. that was like this big. <laughs> It was like ridiculous. Ouch. Yeah, Ouch. I was like, I'll never, that's, I'll that's never a, shoot it. Like it, it sold, it sold really, for like two hundred and eight bucks or whatever. That's when. Uh, Can we go back up real quick, and then I just want to do some technical shit about these particular models that they were mm-hmm. using. So they were using, well, that's not a martini, but like go up a little bit. The long lever and short lever. Yep. So that is a martini. So. Well, yeah, I can't. I, I think most of them were short levers, which is a Mark II, and which is fine. But like, they had the Type B barrel bands on there, which not would not have been on there in 1879, where they've got the bayonet lug on the side. You'll see if it's from the looking at the left or the right side of the gun from the left mm-hmm. side. Um, they'll have a bayonet lug on mm-hmm. there. No, that's that, again, that's not a martini. They said it was, but it's yeah, those are the, the Enfields. That's funny as shit. Um, but anyway, so that, like, that's just a minute thing, but just something for the the listeners to check out and isn't that like isn't that what these are no those are enfields that's what i thought that's what i was gonna ones. say aren't those enfields those look like enfields. yeah or yeah. number number yeah. ones not i'm sorry number ones yeah that's a martini so yeah you see well you can barely see it, but there's like a bayonet lug on this on the right mm-hmm. side of it whatever it doesn't matter the carbines yeah. That's definitely a cut on like a local cut yeah. down. Oh yeah. How do they know this is a Vanguard? How do they know that? I don't know. I don't know far enough about that to Oh, probably the wood behind the the little handguard. Looking at. Yeah, maybe. Easier to shoot blanks with. Oh, a lot cheaper, yeah, for sure. It says note the handguard. So I guess that's the reasoning. So yeah, it must be because yeah. the yeah, Martini doesn't have that. So yeah, here yeah, we go. This Mark is funny. One. Yeah, the very Charged early loading ones. the Enfield. I didn't notice. Very I, fucking I, early, I didn't like. notice that as we went on. Oh yeah. God, yeah, yep. 
Oh yeah, right there. One scene. So they did make. So they made him be in the front, but then in the backs you wouldn't see it. Yeah. They did a really good job. It wasn't until I saw this IMFDB the first time that I realized it, and whenever I watch it, I see it now. But there's a scene toward the end, the last battle, where like he's talking and like a shell casing like zips past his ear like horizontally, and like I totally know that's from a guy throwing a ball back on a (laughs) on a lee, you know. Like, cause, uh, yeah, cause they don't zip out like that with a martini. No, 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 Yeah, there's a great shot of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there he is with the Leanne field right there. But they took the mags out. I mean, they did everything (coughs) they could. So. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It's. Yeah. They, and it's funny. They do use the early ones. It's not like SMLEs or number fours, you know? No, they use, those are worth so much fucking money today. Oh yeah. These Mark ones. The number ones. Oh my God. Well, it's funny, dude. They filmed it in South Africa. Those are probably the guns they all left in South Africa from the war war. Because they were modernizing to the, you know, the charger bridge, the floating charger bridges by that point when they came back from the war. So yeah, maybe. those guns are probably all fucking Boer War vets that just stayed there. God damn it. Oh, yeah. Rifled muzzle loaders. Oof. Is the wonder. The other, so there's a film called Zulu Dawn, as they suggest at the end, which is came out a little after this. It's not as good as this, but um, it's about the Battle of Islawanda. It's fucking. It's got some great battle scenes. Holy shit! But um, well, it looks like they do the same things. We'll, we'll have to watch that eventually. <laughs> I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just skimming through it real quick to see what's in here, weapon wise. It was a bigger production, but yeah. it was a worse production. It's a lot to say about it. Oh, it's that guy but from like, Indiana Jones. They yeah. figured out some way to like put in Marcus Brody. colonial politics into everything, and where Zulu is just like a singular event, like survive. All this one is just like the reasons that we went to war with the Zulu land, and it's. It's just like, just show me the garrison get wiped out, and you know, let's go. <laughs> Jesus, this looks this looks rough. This actually is worth a watch, seriously. But um, yeah, I want a sharp. Now carving. we talked about all the gats. Maiden oh, Snyder, yeah. those are I fucking really great. Want one. Hand rocket? What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's in uh. That's, that's the artillery. Yeah, yeah. That's, in, that's in Sharp's Rifles. They do that all the time. Rocket that's also, rocket Troop. Well, what was that game, Nate? Fucking, uh, uh, which one? you got to be more specific. The Polonatic War game? Oh. Which one could be the Rocket Team? Oh, um, Total, hold fast. Total War. Oh, Hold Fast. Oh. Hold Fast. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> Count down your dead. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it for IMFDB. Nice. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be a short one, guys, because uh, there's just not a lot to say about this movie. It's just it it does what it's trying to do really well. Um, most you know. of our uh, most of the movies that we like are fairly short podcasts. Yeah. I know. Yeah, right. You, you, it's you, funny. You the ones tell. that are dog shit usually go on forever. Midway's fourteen hours. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, the thing is, like, you know, it it's good, and it's nothing really stands out that that makes it bad. I mean, it, I I. It it sucks when they're this short sometimes, but like you know, it, it's. I think we we talked about everything that really stands out with it. You know, it they they really do showcase, you know, the Zulu tactics, Zulu culture. Uh, um, really paint it in a good light. Um, make the whole make do a very good job of showing you know, the tactics even on the British side. You know, like the whole you know retreating and going back to the next line of defense and then you know backs up against the wall square formation just shoot until you can't shoot anymore you know it, it, they do a really good job overall and you know it's 1960s era and it's got the 1960s 
acting and flailing and cuts to spears and people and fake blood <laughs> and you know uh but it doesn't do it bad it's not a bad version of it we've seen bad and we've experienced bad this was not it so i mean um no. you know i think we talked about you know cinematically it's it does a really good job i mean i was very as someone who had never seen this ever other than maybe some clips on you know uh what was the yeah. channel you said ryan what was the what was the tv AMC. was it amc yeah yeah yep, yeah, yeah. Or... apart from seeing like clips on amc it's like you know i i didn't really know anything about this movie so going to it blind and, and enjoying it um yeah i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i highly suggest people to watch it because i think it's going to be one of the very few examples of a conflict like this in the history of this conflict and that kind of era that in between between napoleonic and i guess for most people world war one so uh you know it's it, it's going to be um uh, highly worth it i i'm going to give this i'm going to give this an eight out of uh, sc- 10 screen mill gibsons that's where i land on it I really liked Jesus. it. I, I really liked it. There wasn't anything that really, really detracted from it. And yeah, it's 60s and flailing, but, you know, and Lee Enfields. But I didn't notice it until we put, po- until we, you guys pointed it out. So it did a good job hiding it. Most don't. Yeah. That's why I love destroying people's illusion. Uh, yeah. People's happiness. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because then you can't unsee yeah. it. Yeah. You know? now, now I'll forever see it. So yeah, I'm going it, to. It's like the fucking, it's like the arrow in the FedEx logo. <laughs> Wait, what yep, do you mean exactly. by that? It's always been there. You just haven't seen it. And once you do see it, you can't unsee Look it. Look at the E and the X in FedEx. There's an arrow. God damn it. Hold on. It's always been there. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Welcome to our pain. <laughs> oh, this one is fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> Welcome to oh, our Oh, I world. can't unsee it now. Now you've been to the other uh, side. Uh, that's that's the business I'm in. Uh, Thank you. are welcome. I can't. That's the business I'm in. One just drove by my house today. I'm never gonna not see that now. He's pointing in the exactly. direction. He's oh not my going. god! Now every time I look, yep. I'm like going click on the next photo, and I just see the arrow. I don't see anything else. Oh yeah, right. my yeah. god! Oh. <laughs> glad I could help you out. Yeah, what's up? What do you think? I thought it was really cool. I love the uh, continuous fire aspect of it where they mm. had three ranks where it was literally <laughs> bam 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 really bam, awesome bam, just con- i mean it's basically the equivalent of having a machine gun set the, up right there with the, an enemy charging an 1870s it. machine the gun, lines yeah. the yep. line i liked the first rendition of it too where they fired and then they moved up to push them farther back to make sure that that line wasn't kept that encroaching line yeah, exactly going mm-hmm. so cool yeah and, it, and it's really cool like at the end Spoiler, spoiler, plug your ears if you don't want to hear it, even though there's a disclaimer at the beginning, but that doesn't matter for a lot of people. Um, I really loved the end. I forgot about this when he goes, you know, is this how you're supposed to feel after after your first battle? And he's like, well, how do you feel? Sick. How'd you feel your first time? You think I want to do this more than once? <laughs> so it was like both their first time. He just didn't tell. But you could tell more with him because he had that incident, you know, mid-fight. And then he finally was like, okay, well, I, I need to be a man because everybody else is. I'm not going to be a coward. Because he was on the track to be a coward because he got a little boo-boo. I liked, I liked those guys like, who were like hurt and they're just dragging the ammo. Crawling around, yeah. I, I love, giving ammo. I love too how he's wounded in the door of the hospital, like dealing with it. And the surgeon's like, you butchers, 
you fucking and he's like working on the guy yep. and the guy's like i'm wounded too <laughs> like he, yep. he's not like this officer that's like out of it it's like he's literally bleeding and this guy's berating him i, I thought that was yep. great you know because it's like oh yeah he must yeah. have been frustrated as shit watching all these kids die but um oh another yeah, random was, thing it's cool about the battle too i don't forget so towards the battle started at 4 30 p.m and it went into the night and into the next morning well halfway or into the night they they started the hospital on fire and that whole thing happened where they had to evacuate it and go to the commissary house well what's interesting is that it was a double-edged sword one they lost the building and they had to retreat from it but also the hospital burned for most of the night and illuminated the zulu attacks so they were able to see them from all directions it was basically a fucking giant torch it burned for like you know six seven hours they did kind of allude to that too yeah Yeah. so like it Imagine if they didn't start the fire and they didn't have right. 20,000 rounds of fucking 455 in a shack. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it's amazing when you break these battles down. Like, what is the reason that you survive? You know, like when we talked to Chris and when he was at, you know, Cop Keating, and it's like, yep. if we don't have ammo, we can't fight. Okay, we got ammo, we, we can ammo. fight. You know, so it's like, yep. it, it's funny that, that these things, what, what it really comes down to, you know, command and control and push. Yeah, and the guys, you know, it being their first time, they're just kind of not new, but they're inexperienced lieutenants. You know, it's like lost lieutenants. The joke, you know, like yeah, exactly. But like they, and you know, it was don't really run cool to the, the radio, because, even though they didn't have radios at this time. Is but, there a problem, like, Captain think, uh, Sobel? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they um, and then obviously they're like. I don't think we did too too bad or whatever, something like that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, that's when that's when they all go the hill. They're just like, my God, like this. It's been it, this is it. I guess this is it. Mm-hmm. And they start just like going, "Hey, good good fight, boys," and they fucking leave. <laughs> it's like that's pretty interesting. But yeah, it, it would have been like gut wrenching to see you just made it through that horrific night, and then uh, well, that was for nothing. We're all fucked anyway. So. But uh, all right, it's so another cool aspect of it. I just want to go back really quick to get into like the 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 constant like sustained fire, the machine gun kind. That's the literal definition of stacking bodies, and they did that scene very well because the bodies were stacked up to a foot away from them. And it's like, can you imagine that that wave? Because if they wouldn't have used that tactic, if they would have just been individually firing, and they would have just been you know randomly. There was no organization to it. There's no sustained fire. They probably would have just gotten cut down. I mean, there's no way. Yeah, volley fire and is so that incredibly was powerful when done well. Fast volley. Yeah, like, good range. I mean, repetitive, too. You got three ranks, and it's like... Get, getting man, hit with so, a wall of lead stops a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing. is That's a 450 grain or... I don't know. It depends on the load that they were specifically using. I'm not an expert, because they were like... There are like 15 different loads that came out for the five, four, uh, 577, 450 in that in the span it was used. Right. Um, but mainly we'll just say about a 450 grain bullet, which is an ounce or almost two ounces of lead, right? 560 grains is, is an ounce of lead. So this is basically like getting hit with a really fast moving, like 20 gauge shotgun slug each time they fire something. Right. And so you've got that and it will go through people. Yeah. That's the thing is, especially at that close distance, it'll go through. So yeah, if you've got guys that are that close to each other running at you, you got that volley. Well, you're not just going to be hitting the first the first row of guys. You're going to be hitting the first, second, and possibly third that are not going to be running anymore. Because even if they're hyped up on something, if they were, 
it that that amount of force is going to knock them on their this, ass. Th- this, movie, like, this movie, this movie is limited to the time it was filmed in, and 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 what they could do safely in terms of movie logistics. Yep. I'm sure if they oh, did it now, and you had the CG and you could show that brutally. I'm sure you would see like mm-hmm. two to three, four waves, people going down and just like grass, yeah. just like grass getting cut down. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. It's kind of fucked up. But like, you know, even in the 60s, they were able to show that how how absolutely brutal and devastating that was, especially at that time period. Like not the 60s, but like in the 18, the 19th yeah, yeah, century, yeah. basically. And it's like, I mean, you could do that much damage that quickly, that far, that long ago, rather. And uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting to see that. But anyway, so I don't know if there's any other tangents, but I did like the the leadership scene at the end. I really did like that. That was because the first time I saw it, it threw me for a loop, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And I'd forgotten about that scene. But anyway, the rest of it was really good. Good acting. Um, a couple annoying characters, but whatever. You get that with every film. And I love the set again. The set was just awesome. It was really cool. I really appreciated that. So anyway. As far as um, like historical relevance, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10 because I love the fact that nobody else, besides that one that you said, that like the kind of weird sequel, nobody else has really tackled this time period, this conflict at all, even since that film, and it's super popular. So I think um, they did the best they could, and they presented the best they could, and I think it's pretty fucking good the way they presented it. It's really good. And yeah, so 8 out of 10, no problem all day long. Nice. And yeah, so just to end it and be a broken record, I'm also going to give it 8 out of 10 for just everything we've, we've mentioned. I mean, the only th- reason it suffers is because it's a product of its time. And that's really it. And, and some of the extras and stuff and whatever. But no, it's it's an incredibly solid film, you know? And uh, I really recommend that, uh, you know, people go see it. Like, it's just, oh, yeah. uh, it's definitely worth a watch. You'll enjoy it. There's something for you in it. Um, Yes. And it's it, it, you know, cast light on a very fucked up part of history, but a very interesting part of history too. You know, if you were to learn about the real battle and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, scuttlebutt tip. If you happen to be venturing into a continent to go steal minerals from a nation, make sure that you have a lot of ammunition. Because <laughs> you're going to need it. You know. That's good advice, gonna, Brian. You're going to, yeah. You know. You hear that, hey, China? The whole battle, like, again, every battle, I think, <laughs> Every siege really comes down to, like a short yep. siege, you know, you don't need real necessities, is ammunition. Just, you know, can you stay up and can you can you fight? So if you can do those two things, you might, might have a chance. So fire so. and volleys, light your buildings on fire, and uh, backs against the wall, tons of ammunition. And first rank, fire! <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us on an episode of Scuttlebutt. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Pretty cool movie. I guess that's Love the it. consensus. Love and, it. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for with something. Who knows? I've got an idea. Oh, God. <laughs> dangerous thoughts. No, here at not at all. Not dangerous at all. Pretty cool. And we alluded to it in this one, so it'll be kind of interesting. Which one was that? <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know what it, which what it was. What was it? Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, 
make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. Oh, so he fucks it up this want week. me to go through a whole routine, Nate? Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, I'm putting them at the end of the episode every time now, so. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's what I did last time. I put it at the end. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um.